Ciao. Ciao. That music's from your native country, isn't it? Yes, I must have danced to it when I was a child. successful. If you'll just believe he can cure you, I promise you in a few weeks you'll be back home with the children again. Stop it! Killing me is one thing, but why commit suicide? Don't you want to get well? Uh, I'm not sick, Doctor. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't know why I'm here. I didn't want to kill myself or anyone else. I'm not one of those mad people who need you. I just want to make love. Make love, that's all. There's no question that you're being insane. You're a perfectly healthy woman. It's just that your desire to make love is excessive, compulsive. Go and take a shower. Ciao, ciao, everybody. We're starting the show right now. And welcome to Jalo Chow Chow, episode number 23, if I'm not mistaken. You're not. Yes, creep. That is correct. This is Klaus Kinski uh, sitting in for Eric. Oh, Klaus, it's so good to hear from you. I've been writing you messages and emails for so long that have gone unanswered. I thought you were dead. Guten Morgen. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the shape of your skull. Um, so, I'm Creep. 
Hello. Get out and of here, I'm boss. a cold-blooded beast, girl. Look into his scythe. Uh -oh. Like that, look into his scythe. That was good. Look into his scythe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been killing nymphos. Yeah. Or you could say, one guy. Is that an original arrangement? Yeah. I, I have to say again, and I mentioned this last time. That you've been making the Paula Abdul. Every time, I'm going to ignore that. Every time I watch this movie, and when I, you know, especially now because watching it and scoring it and writing a, a little bit of a, a little write-up for it and preparing for the podcast, this stupid song has been in my head for at least a week. You know what's uh, hard for me is that when... Because I know it is Slaughter Hotel or Asylum Erotica, but when we were looking for it on YouTube, it's Cold-Blooded Beast. But the title card already says, like, Klaus Kinski or whatever, and it says, In Cold-Blooded Beast. So I always, when I think to type it into YouTube to watch it, I put In Cold Blood. And all this other stuff comes up. I'm like, I don't get it. What the hell's going on? And then I was looking for it on IMDb. I'm like, in cold blood. And um, isn't that the Truman Capote book or something? Uh, dude, who fucking knows? I'm sure it's <laughs> something. But um, that was confusing the shit out of me, man. It was rough. You know, Chris, I hope that hey. song haunts okay. you till the end of time. For making me have to watch this. <laughs> Hey, it's paybacks for Sister of Ursula, so... Oh, well, I'm enjoying everything. <laughs> you know, this has, no, this has nothing on Sister of Ursula. That was a masterpiece. <laughs> compared to this. Yeah. In my, in my estimation, I think movies should have a plot, and Sister of Ursula has a plot, so That's I win. It. We're kind of mementoing this podcast right now and starting from the end and working our way backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how we feel about it and then go over it. Um, have I mentioned that I have no short-term memory? Yeah, I think you told me that already. Yeah, you and the girl on the bench that all of a sudden remembers everything about what she did that one day she ran away, but yet can't remember anything else. <sighs> All right. So, yeah, is there a scene of Don't Torture a Duckling going on behind you, Creep? Oh, um, there are many children out in um, my courtyard on scooters um, going in a circle around a fountain chasing a kitty cat. Playing so, hopscotch? No, the hopscotch is in the back, and oh. my daughter and her friend made the most insane hopscotch thing ever to where no one could actually ever play it and so they got bored because it got really hard so they just stopped playing it so now there's this crazy hopscotch course in the back but if you want to talk about people who don't know how to play games that have to play them in a movie we could talk croquet we could talk checkers we could go down a list of people <laughs> not knowing how to play games there should Let's be like someone on set like hey I'm the game master. I know how these games are played. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little kind, upsetting. It's kind of like the, it's like the equivalent of, you know, when they put somebody and they put a guitar in their hand 
Yeah. And they, they pipe in the guitar music and the person that's the actor is just kind of strumming and not hitting the strings at all and just kind of moving their 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 left hand around on the chords. It's kind of that equivalent, but like, in like game. Kumbaya on Friday the thirteenth, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like Klaus Kinski and some random that... girl didn't know that the camera was wide because there were still checker pieces all over the board and she's like, I win <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought they were playing chess, or was it backgammon? I thought it was chess also. Well, there was a chess game. Like King s- me. Someone else was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, everybody. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's say hello and, and what? Hello! Why am, I, why am I trying to take control of this? <clears throat> I don't know. Ridiculous. God, the control freak. It's like Klaus Kinski came into our podcast or something. Wait, let uh, me fix my hair. Let me fix my hair. Do it, and then and then stare off to the <laughs> left or right. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're we're gonna do a top three that I found out about um, forty five seconds ago, and um, it's gonna be a good one. Eric, why don't you take us into it? Well, in honor of this film and of Sister Versola, uh, we are are going to talk about women, beautiful women. Women of the uh, screen and stage of Italy and of France and all over the the place in Europe. Uh, But we're not... Germany. Germany, I guess. Sweden. Um, From Motherland. I'm just going to keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Please. Please. (laughs) This has already become... That's different. ...professional podcast so far. I've ever been a part of. <clears throat> I can't believe how crazy it is outside right now, guys. <laughs> I have all my windows and doors shut, and it's still like a fucking crazy playground in here. Okay. It's like, it's enough to deal with you interrupting me, and then I got screaming girls in the background. But Well, on top of this, just real quick, um, I couldn't find the music for this movie, obviously. Um, so I spent the better part of my afternoon just recording as much music off the movie that didn't have dialogue in it. So the music on this episode is going to be rough anyway. So this will be the ambient episode, I think. Cool. This is going to test the hardcore listeners of Jello Chow Chow. Oh, yeah, it will. You don't have creep. You don't have that one part where the flute thing comes in and it's like do 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 do. I have all of it, dude. Oh, cool! I love I, that part. I even have the part where the girl put the flute in. Wait, what are you yeah. talking about? Oh yeah, no, that's a different. Oh, got that it. wasn't on YouTube. Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, back to the the top three. We're talking about women from Jolly films that are not Edwidge Fennick that we find. Um, you know, really leave a lasting impression on us when we see them, whether it's one film or many films. Uh, I just thought now would be a time to honor the, uh, the female. would like to wear as a condom. Okay. Creep would like to wear his as a condom. Yes. And I would just like to, you know, maybe go get ice cream with him or something. But either way. <gasps> Ooh, I know who he's going to pick now. Me too. <laughs> King size wieners, huh? 
Okay. I think I'm the only one of us three that can handle her, so. Oh. We'll just <laughs> no kidding. Holy cow. So I guess, does that mean we're starting with me? No, seven. no, this is yours, dude. You pick. Okay. I'm going to pick myself. Oh, okay. Well, shit. And I'm going with Delilah De Lazaro from the Pajama Girl case. The only film I watched from our show twice, mostly because I just found her so captivating. And, uh, I mean, she shows up. I think we talked a little bit about her. She shows up in other films um, down the line, but mostly in very small character roles. Um, I think she's in, what was it, opera as like a headmistress or something. So uh, No, uh, in Creepers, in Phenomena. Creepers, yes. that's right. Oh, yeah, because Jennifer yep. Conley. She's Jennifer Conley's uh, headmistress, so she's like, you know, very... Yep. Um, very put together and just very, you know, I mean, this film, Pajama Girl Case, she just, you know, the hair, the eyes, everything. Uh, I just found her uh, enrapturing and couldn't take my eyes off of her. Now, would you be okay with her if you knew she was also sleeping with Blake and Andy behind your back? Oh, Blake and Andy, of course, the co-host from Wrestling with Friends podcast. Um, that wouldn't happen. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> I, was, that... I was trying to look up Blake and Andy on IMDb. <laughs> no, they're not characters in the in the film. That would they, be Antonio uh, and Roy. Yeah, I mean, I would understand Antonio and Roy, but not a couple of nerdy video game white dudes from Minnesota. No, she. I'd be I'd be enough man for her. I think. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, next is Chris. All right. Well, I actually did have... um, Let's see here. Wait, where's my list? Yes, Delilah DeLazario on my list, but I also have some backup options. And I think I want to go with... Hmm. This is kind of like a bluffing exercise because I don't know what Creep's going to say. Because uh, he made his list in two seconds, so it's probably Edwidge, Edwidge, and Edwidge. Even though Edwidge is disqualified. Can I pick um, her only rule? Can I pick her skirts or her <laughs> coats? I'm gonna go. My third pick. I'm gonna go with the blonde bombshell Susie Kendall uh, from Bird with the Crystal Plumage, as well as Torso, um, and. I like her. Uh, she's she's clearly attractive. We're not talking about you know jaw-droppingly attractive like uh, Dahlia or Edwidge, um, but I do like um, the I do like her her characters in those two films. Uh, I like her character in Torso uh, better than the character in Bird, um, but she plays a she plays the victim really well, and I think that in um, in Torso, she played a victim, but also she played kind of uh, a resourceful, uh, not a completely helpless victim. She had a little bit more character. Um, she was the sole survivor of that massive uh, bloodbath at the house on the hill. Um, and I'm not sure if I know of any other Jolly uh, or any other films that she's been in that I've seen. Uh, those are the only two, but that, she's my number three. Have you, did you see Spasmo? 
I did see Spasmo. She's in that. That's right. Yeah. I, I forget. I forget a lot about. She that. doesn't look very good in that movie. No, I don't remember her looking that good. Yeah, I remember you saying that when we, because we did Bird and then Torso back to back for episodes one and two. So we haven't really talked about her in a long time, but I do remember uh, we talked a little bit about her way back then and how she, her looks sort of deteriorated in a way to some people. Um, but yeah, I, I like her as well. She was on my list. She's got the girl next door look. Which, was, she, was she your number one? Are you going to change it? You know what? Don't answer that. Let, let's <laughs> let's build some suspense here. Okay. Okay. Uh, so my number three, let me just say that my number three, two, and one could come from Slaughter Hotel if I really was that inclined. Okay. <laughs> just so you guys know. <clears throat> but um, I think I'm going to go with uh, the red curly fry girl from um, Lizard in a Woman's Skin. Can't remember her name. She's the one who throws the paint-covered knives. She had a crappy singing career. Um, oh. She was one of the people with the funny eyes up on the thing that saw her do the thing. One of the two hippies. Yes. Out of the two hippies, I'm referring to the female. Right, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Let's I just, just clear that up. Yeah, I just want to clear that up right now. I just want to get my fingers stuck. In Not that there's anything paper. wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But damn, Margaret Lee, man. Let me tell you what. Let's keep going. Okay. All right. Almost All right. There. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. That's my cue. Okay. <laughs> This this is this is your backdoor beauty right here. Well, that's an two. apt description. Oh, sorry. Her name was Penny Brown. Penny Brown. Girl. That's right. Penny Brown. Yeah. Thank you, Google. Back, backdoor beauty. Um, couldn't be. There couldn't be a better title for this woman in Creep's eyes, mainly because he thinks she looks like a butthole. Woo! Butthole face. Going with, going with Barbara Boucher who mainly is on my list because I will stand up for her against these uh, critiques. Wait, Barbara, Bou- Barbara Boucher is not the butthole. It's not. What? It's uh, oh. Nira Goodenplenty, or whatever her name is. <laughs> she, had, she, she had a fake name that was, like, American-sounding, and her Italian name was, like, Nira Goodenplenty. Susan Scott. Susan Scott, that's it. Oh, yeah. Neve, okay. Neves, Neves Navarro. Ooh. Neves Navarro. Dude, why am I retarded? Okay. I was, yeah, I was nervous. I'm that retarded, too. With... I'm just typing faster than you are. That's all. <laughs> I was going with the alliter- The alliteration threw me off, because I knew it was a, a woman who had an alliterative name. So su- not, not Barbara Boucher, but Susan Scott is your butthole face. Butthole face. All right. Well then, uh, yeah. So Barbara Boucher is is in my list, and uh, I don't know. Right. I, here I was all set up to <laughs> talk about butthole face. Talk about the fact that, because I, I mean, I could see how her face would be confused for, for being a butthole, but Susan Scott or Barbara Boucher. Boucher. Now Boucher's got a nice face. Okay. This well. Is so- 
anticlimactic. It's not even funny. Um, <laughs> so there, there's my number two. <laughs> Chris, go ahead. All right. So let me see here. Let's mix and match a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to decide. Um, because one of the reasons why I picked this particular actress is not necessarily because she is the best looking, but more along the lines of she um, has a lot of influence in the films and she shows up regularly and it's Anita Strangeburger. Ooh. And I picked her because despite the really bad boob implants and oh. despite the really bad um, – uh, makeup, you know, not sure if it was on purpose, but bad makeup job in your vice's locked room. Um, she's been in uh, some very good jollo, jolly, uh, including lizards in a woman's skin. Obviously, we talked about that. The uh, the neighbor who gets uh, killed, um, Julia Jewer. I don't know why I'm I'm doing good with with uh, remembering names tonight, but Julia Jewer uh, in in lizard in a woman's skin and. Um, she plays she's she's pretty uh she looks great in uh, case of the scorpion's tail as the um when she's wet as the newspaper reporter um well of course always when she's wet. that's a given that's a yeah. given um she looks really good in uh who saw her die as the uh as the the mother yeah. the wife and mother and um she had a really good performance in uh, Strange. Uh, no, uh, uh, your vice's locked room. The um, scheming, conniving, pretending to be psycho, but really calculated uh, female. Um, you know, uh, female lead uh, in that film. Um, so I, uh, I think that's enough to warrant a second place for me. Well, that is very good. And the children agree with me. You know what? Quit talking about them because I'm about to say something really dirty. There and, you go. And I'm going to try to put your knowledge of names to the test right now. My number two. Really, I'm doing well with it. <laughs> <laughs> My number two is the prostitute from Sister of Ursula. The one with the... Good-sized jugs in the Donald Duck poster. <laughs> she looks good with nothing on. Something. Wait, you said something. You, you made a, a, a comment about um, Anita Stringberg. Yeah. And this, this is what you're following up with. Okay. Oh, this chick is all natural, my friend. And, um, <laughs> and she seems to be pretty much up for anything, which is another big... Um, thing on my uh, scale so um, she seems like a lot of fun um, if she asked for money there wouldn't be any ice cream in her future but um, yeah so that chick that chick huh? <laughs> that's my number two okay. there's really no um doesn't look like there's any listing for her in the uh, in the cast. So she was probably real. That's even awesomer. Yeah. Yep, if that's a word. <laughs> Most likely not. Yeah. Plucked off the streets of the cliffside town. Yep. Oh my gosh. Oh epic. Epic. 
All right, well, uh, my number one was Susie Kendall. I knew it. But I'm, I'm going to replace her just for conversation's sake and put in Nevis Navarro. Oh. From Death Walks on High Heels, All the Colors of the Dark. Death um, Walks on Buttholes. Yeah, so wait, two. Did, she's your number two and one? Yep. Okay. <laughs> no, Boucher was his number two. Susan Scott's Boucher, his number one. Boucher was my number two, though mostly just because of that scene in Don't Torture a Duckling, which we haven't seen on the show, but, but I think most people have seen that the iconic juice drinking scene. Once again, I have nothing to say. <laughs> well, Chris, Chris has high standards. Let, I, want, I want to hear what I want to hear what you have to say about Susan Scott then, if if you want to have something to say. No, I, I just want to I just want to wait till it's my turn. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm putting her at number one because, like I said, I was going to say before, I'm standing up for her as a uh, a major player in the jolly women field. Uh, I do not think she has the face of a walrus butt. <laughs> it was just in that one movie, dude. I think she got work done or something. Okay. That, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. So then she looks like a bleached butthole. Yeah. And uh, what movie was that again? Forbidden Photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Butthole face. Got it. <laughs> well then... Which butthole face do you have at number one, Chris? Oh, funny you should ask. My number one is... Drumroll, Wait please. for it. Wait for it. <sighs> Neves Navarro. No, I mean Barbara Boucher. Really? Yeah. Wow. It, I think that Barbara Boucher... Uh, if there was no F- Edwidge, that Barbara Boucher would be kind of really at the top of the jalo game you guys are out of your fucking minds so let's <laughs> talk about um i think the most important part of barbara boucher's but uh credit uh as it stands for jolly um is not necessarily her, her awesome um her but awesome her awesome uh, scene in uh, Don't Torture a Duckling. I'm going to try to s- speak as quickly as possible before I get a butt again. Uh, you know, the scene in, in Duckling where... <laughs> but what? Where she's laying on the... But... The, the, uh, the chair. She's, she's in the background and that little wave machine is in the foreground. Such a great scene. Um, but she's also in a movie called Amok. And she does a full-on lesbo scene with the what? name escapes me. A butt. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm just gonna stop uh, talking. No, no, no. Who, who does no, she do it with? Is it that? Is it that elf girl? It's um. Is it? It's somebody who's yeah. Her name is Rosalaba Neri. She was in Lady Frankenstein. 
Well, hell, she's in this hey, movie. Wait. She's in, uh, yeah, she's in um, Cold-Blooded Beast as yeah. the, uh, as the uh, nympho. nympho. Yeah, dude. So if you want to see the nympho from the movie that we are about to review today and Barbara Boucher getting it on in slow motion, completely naked, I do. Uh, watch Amok and you will be very happy. Um, she's also in um, the opening scene of Black Belly for the Tarantula. Yep. She's also in... Um, uh, the Red Queen kills seven times, although I really didn't like her hair in that movie. And uh, I'm not sure what other film she's been in, but I really, um, I really like, I, you know, and I think that wasn't she like kind of a legitimate actress, too? She was like a Bond yeah. girl. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I think Barbara Boucher, uh, whether this is a good thing or not, I'm not sure. Uh, lends a little bit of legitimacy to some of the films that we like in this genre, um, so that kind of that that's kind of like a, a an extra point of of credit for me in my book. So I mean, she's the Klaus she Kinski was, of Bond films. She's in the French Sex Murders, which I haven't seen. Um, obviously, Don't Torture a Duckling. We talked about. Um, so there's a there's a and there's a few more, so um, go out there and check out Amok if you can find it. We should watch some of her movies for the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we have <clears throat> seen, seen very many. No, we have not. But thanks for giving her the, the credit that she deserved, unlike my poor performance earlier. <laughs> not a problem. That was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was fine. It was, but, but, but well, All right. uh, my number one is gonna knock you guys on your keisters, meesters. But it was gonna be Carol Baker because she looks like the chick from Dark Shadows. But um, and I just kind of dig that look, tiny, <clears throat> like that, like mid to late sixties. Push. Like, yeah, but um, I, I went away from that, and then it was gonna be. The girl with the giant lips from Torso and Miss Ward. <clears throat> yeah, but um, that's not going to work for me either. So I think I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies of the genre. Um, we're going to go to a movie called Case of the Bloody Iris. Oh, I know who it is. <laughs> and it's the her friend. The, the crazy one who pretends to be dead and pretends to be a ghost and says stupid, horrible things, but has amazing coats and rad boots and just looks good doing every stupid thing that she does. Don't know her name, but she'll always have a place in my heart and my wardrobe. And your butt. <laughs> and my butt. Da, 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 da. And just to just to bring it into this, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the main theme in Cold Blooded Beast is very very similar to the theme for Case of the Bloody Iris. Yeah, well, you know what it is? It's that whole bossa nova thing. If you listen that... to both of them like next to one another, it's almost like they're the same song. It's, it seems to me, in listening to a lot of these soundtracks from this time period, that um, I don't know exactly when 
the bossa nova movement became something that was more than just brazilian music i forget what year it was i know that you know some of the jazz guys had um taken a liking to it and brought it into the mainstream and you had um you know girl from ipanema was a big hit um but it seems like all of these giallo uh giallo films uh have at least one uh song that has um what they call the, the you know the the clave beat which is uh, a certain type of rhythm that's indicative of casio keyboards of the bossa nova and uh, <laughs> and uh and, and definitely, um, definitely the theme from *Case of the Bloody Iris*, which was written by Bruno Nicali, I think. Yep. Um, and this theme for *Cold-Blooded Beast*, which was not written by him at all. No. Um, uh, they sound very similar, and I think that it's not just that. If you go back and listen to, um, if you go back and listen to a lot of the other themes from a lot of the other Jolly, you'll find that. Um, like even even the uh, opening theme to Forbidden Photos is a is a, a sped up uh, bossa nova. Yeah. Uh, so it's just I, no, I don't I know, know. I know that it's in a lot of these movies, but it was just like I was listening to that song over and over again, and then when I stopped it, I was like humming a song that I thought was that, but it was Bloody Iris. Right. And so I was like, oh, let me try to hum Bloody Iris to it and see what it sounds like. So I'm sitting here like a nerd all, and I'm just like doing my thing. And um, yeah, it was pretty enjoyable for me. But I wonder, um, and again, this is probably nobody, maybe nobody knows the answer to this, but I wonder why Wikipedia it is. That, I wonder why it is that, you know, that these directors and these um, score composers uh, use that particular um, style of of music for all of these films. I mean, maybe it was more prevalent in in the culture than just in in movie soundtracks. Maybe it was just that kind of a thing that you know that everybody listened to. It had to have been what was like hip at the clubs at the time. Yeah, I know? guess so. Like, let's drink some J and B and listen to Bossa Nova and like wear some awesome coats. Like, drive a Chevy Nova. <laughs> Oh, yes. I waited. I was waiting like 15 minutes to tell that one. <laughs> you did <That's> good. <laughs> yeah, very, very heavy on the didgeridoo in this film. Was, was that the wrong instrument? No. I know they used a lot of woodwinds, which was nice. The 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 chaos music in this movie got really annoying really fast to me. Yeah. But other than that, I really enjoyed the music in this movie a lot. You talking yeah, about like and, the final scene? And the final scene music was very out of left field. Like, wait a minute, is this even the same soundtrack at all? <laughs> uh, it, it it was almost like um, the end of some sort of civil war movie. Uh, or, or maybe Western, you know, because I guess, you know, all these guys have such Western influences because of their backgrounds. Maybe well, this, that was is, what it, this is the only Jalo that um, the director did, right? He did mostly spaghetti Westerns and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, he did a name? lot of writing, too, so. Del, uh, Del Rio De Leo. Fernando yes. De Leo. Yeah. Well, let's crack this bitch open and see if the yoke breaks. What right. do you say? 
that, yeah, it's gonna. It's that, gonna break. That was a egg breakfast joke. All right. That's what okay. I. That's what I did there. This film is broken from the start. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. What? So Chris, this e- is your, Eric this has is your definite pick. opinions. Yeah. Eric has Come definite opinions on this. Uh, <laughs> and um, okay, so we're talking about cold-blooded beast, La Bestia, something, a sangue, Fredo. I was almost uh, so proud of you right there. Yeah, I, I skipped over this one word that starts with the letter U, and I decided not to have anything to do with it. Um, also known as Slaughter Hotel and, what is it, Hotel Asylum? Possibly. Asylum Erotica. Asylum Erotica. Okay, very good. That's um, the only one that makes sense to me. Well, I guess they did say the killer is a cold-blooded beast at one point, but that was the English. It should have been called... No. Slaughter Asylum Erotica. That would have been my favorite title. But should have been called a building filled with women in medieval knight armor. That, that's a very good title. Well, it just um, flows off the top. Let's, uh, let's get into this. There. Let's uh, do it. <laughs> um, and it's funny though, uh, Eric, that you should say. The, the words cold-blooded beast were, were was actually used in the film and I think if I remember watching correctly that um, the guy who played Professor Osterman I think it was I looked all these people up in IMDB I definitely don't know their names off the top of my head yeah um, I think he actually said that in English so uh, it, or at least it looked like his lips matched the soundtrack so I think he uh, said he's a cold-hearted snake girl he did. That, that's and what his he, mouth said, but they put and then he, cold-blooded beasts on top of it. And then he looked into Kinski's eyes. Uh-oh. He's been telling <laughs> lies. Okay. So, uh, The Cold-Blooded Beast. It is a film from 1971, directed by Fernando de, de Leo. It should have uh, stayed there. <laughs> the composer... Uh, we have a mute button for him, or what? 1971 uh, called. They want their crappy movie back. <laughs> <laughs> the composer is uh, Silvano Spadaccino. Um, and, and so basically we have a film um, which really has very little uh, in the realm of – or in the way of synopsis or plot. Um, if I can quote my own website, uh, cold-blooded beast often referred to as Slaughter Hotel in the United States is basically – a female masturbation video disguised as a trashy, incoherent giallo. Oh, you guys are both jerks. Uh, And this could be good or bad, depending on your level of interest in the former and your level of patience for the latter. So, again, um, we have a very uh, thin plot. We have a bunch of uh, well-to-do ladies in a... What do you want to call it? A, uh, uh, shall we call it a uh, mental rehabilitation clinic? Does yeah, that I'm, sound I'm watching right? the massage scene right now. Um, so uh, the film opens with a stalking scene. Um, and if you pay attention closely, it's the only part of the film where, uh, what's her name, is nude. Um, uh, Margaret Lee. Margaret Lee, yeah. 
Cheryl and again, is her name, right? Cheryl, yes. Yeah. Um, and we will return to this, um, this, this type of scene over and over again throughout the movie. But basically, uh, we have the inter, uh, the juxtaposition of the uh, hooded, shaded, with a black cape and black gloves figure walking through hallways and down corridors and up and down stairs and opening doors and closing doors and choosing from various medieval torture devices that just happen to be um, in display cabinets on the walls. Um, he makes his way over to uh, a, a room where uh, we've been watching a, um, a brunette-haired uh, female. Top and bottom. Top and you know, top and bottom, with no clothes on, rolling around in the bed in a dreamlike uh, state. Um, and just as he's about to walk in on her, she calls the nurse, and the credits roll. He runs away. And he gasps. Um, yes, like, he makes Ooh. it again. <laughs> and so after the credits roll, we are introduced to um, several of the other characters, including uh, Ruth who is being driven to the asylum by her husband, uh, who almost drives her car off the road on purpose to kill her and her husband so that she doesn't have to go. Um, we also are introduced to Mara, who is the very quiet uh, African uh, female who is also at the asylum. We're introduced to Nurse, uh, Nurse Helen, who has a um, very uh, extra, extra special interest in Mara for some reason, which we'll find out later. Um, and some <laughs> various uh, groups of uh, nurses and patients are playing what looks to be a game of croquet on oh the lawn. Oh my god, it's awful. Did you see that nurse like block that girl's ball with her mallet? Like who the fuck does she think she is? She should be teaching these people how to play the game right. True enough. And you I know think that the inmates are really running the asylum in this film. Yes, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> it's like seriously the best asylum ever. Like I want to almost kind of like go spend a weekend there. Like I mean, they like, have parties. Like five they have... foot three Klaus Kinski running it. He's not <sighs> doing anything. Yeah, and as, and as long as the murderer is only killing females, then you're fine. And there's weapons all over the house. For no sure. fucking reason. It's Well, then there's Ruth trying to bludgeon that assistant with a stick, and he's just like, oh, nope, don't do that, please. <laughs> Let and me take that from her. you. <laughs> yeah. And that happened in the, the very bitch. beginning. And uh, and don't forget about the door that only a three-foot person can walk through. Yeah, without, dude. That's the best. Yeah. He's like... Mm. <laughs> So in, in an attempt to try to put the pieces of all these characters together into some sort of coherency, we have uh, Dr. Francis Clay and um, Professor Osterman, who run the clinic uh, and who are responsible for trying to rehabilitate uh, these, these women. Um, and really, I don't know what they do other than sit around in the living room playing checkers, chess, backgammon, uh, drinking... Um, I don't know what they were drinking. It wasn't scotch. Well, here's there was there was wine. There there was wine sitting on the tables with them. But the thing about this that just is amazing to me is that some of the women are there because they tried to murder somebody. 
or they're in danger to themselves or like um Anne, who's like a nymphomaniac or whatever so like you have these people with like very crazy issues like it's not like oh i feel a little blue you know it's like yeah i fucking stabbed some motherfucker right you know and should they really be just sitting around in a living room with alcohol and weapons Weapon. Right. This this house is so cool. They even have a noose on display. <laughs> <laughs> so oh in, my addition, God. in addition to um, in addition to the psycho who tries to kill her husband as well as uh, the first doctor she meets, uh, and then we have Mara and uh, Nurse Helen. Uh, Nurse Helen, yeah. We also have um, Anne, who is um, the nymphomaniac. Uh, who has a great shower scene and then has a scene where she puts on this fantastic dress uh, with the middle cut out. The black thing? Yeah, the black dress. And then uh, proceeds to sneak into the greenhouse where she tries to and successfully seduces the gardener. Uh, and And in addition to her, we also have Cheryl, who seems to be normal, uh, as far as the uh, organization or as far as the institute is concerned, she is healthy and free to go home. And I believe that her husband uh, wants her back because she has responsibilities as part owner of a, a particular company or something. Yeah. I think that's, that's she, what I got she out of She owns the business. Yeah, and she needs so to she come home to because – come back. Right. She's slacking on her responsibilities. But meanwhile, Dr. Francis – uh, is in love with her and does not want her to leave because um, he, he wants to convince everyone that she still has some work to do with her rehabilitation. Job. Right. Exactly. Um, so now that we've been introduced to all these people, the fun begins, which is basically a bunch of stalking scenes, some murder scenes, uh, some masturbation scenes, some female uh. lesbian scenes, and also um, a sex scene in the greenhouse like we, like we talked about before. It was awkward um, as shit. We also have an interesting scene where one of the uh, orderlies or doctors decides to drink every remaining glass of liquor in the living room before being smashed into an Iron Maiden uh, and uh, by the killer. Uh, so the killer uh, is kind of always around. He shows himself uh, in the beginning, as we see before the credits roll, and then throughout the film we see him here and there. He decapitates a nurse with a big scythe is that what it is or scythe not scythe that's what we're using to talk to each other um <laughs> a scythe uh he throws the old guy in the iron maiden and then in an interesting turn of events he barges in or he sneaks in on uh ruth and there's a scene where he and we could talk about this if you guys want to there's a scene where he's got his dagger and he's in a position of stabbing and then decides I'm going to put the dagger in her hand. No, I totally... Okay, like you... Okay, this is where I'm going to start. <laughs> this movie is very plot-heavy, whereas you guys don't think it has much of a plot at all. It has a <laughs> very thick plot, but the problem is it's written so bad that it's hard to follow. But the problem is is that it has probably the most simple twist. Like you should definitely know who the killer is right away. Like you should at least have two people who you think it could be. 
like within the first 10 or 15 minutes once the movie actually starts. Right. And I think like there were parts of the movie that were put in places they shouldn't be. Like for instance, um, I think the reason why I can't, I can't explain this unless we spoil the movie. So I guess, can I spoil it now? Are you guys okay with that? Well, let's, yeah. uh, let me just, uh, finish up the, yeah, uh, the brief, but not brief synopsis. And then we can go into it. So, um, the, uh, the killer continues to strike. Um, he murders, uh, 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 let me go back to my cheat sheet here. He murders Ruth. Uh, he then murders, uh, Anne, uh, the nymphomaniac. Um, and then after a very fantastic, uh, extended scene of bubble bath, oh. masturbation and, uh, tribal music dancing in underpants, uh, he murders uh, and, uh, Mara with a crossbow bolt through the window through the neck. Yeah. Uh, at this point in the film, and we are really uh, almost 90 minutes into the film at this point. Because nothing uh, happens the first 40. Yeah, at least at least the first 30. I mean, it's it's so slow, um, and it, it really tests anyone's patience. But you know. Uh, for me, at least, I knew you know what was coming, so I hung in there with it. Sorry, Eric. Um, <laughs> at any rate, um, once um, Mara so is killed with her crossbow bolt through the neck, um, we are now, you know, the rest of the uh, the rest of the people in, in the facility are now alerted to this issue of the killer. Uh, and um, Francis Clay and the professor and Cheryl, are all getting together to figure out what to do. <clears throat> they finally call the police once they discover uh, the man inside the uh, Iron Maiden. Uh, I feel like every time I say Iron Maiden, we should be doing like some Run sort of. Run to the hills. <laughs> <laughs> um, they finally call the police in, and Cheryl decides that she's going to kind of act as a decoy to lure out the killer for one more uh, murder. Worst cop. Uh, and uh, and and again, one of the things that the film does is uh, it provides these um, seemingly out of place flashbacks uh. when the um, when when the the person who I guess is the intended victim is kind of pondering or sleeping or what have you. And in Cheryl's case, um, we flash back to the opening scene of her. Um, laying in the bed and um, kind of writhing around. Um, at any rate, once um, the killer comes in, I believe that he's unmasked at that point, right? Yeah. And uh, it turns out to be her husband, who actually doesn't have a name. Uh, he's just credited as... Um, Mr. Heim. Mr. Mr. Hume. Mr. Hume. Yeah. Um, and uh, so once he, it's revealed that it's him, he takes off... And we have one of the most unbelievable endings that I've ever seen in a Jallo, where basically the cops just really cannot catch up with him. He runs through every room, hallway, stairway. Uh, basically, I think they just wanted to show off the set one more time before the end of the film. Um, I don't think that this particular structure could exist physically the way that he ran through it. 
Um, it's just an impossibility. It's like um, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not one of those shining people who's going to map it out and, and, and let you know for sure. So just kind of kind of want to now. Yeah, I, I just might, suspect I that that's the it. case. And in a, in a bizarre um, twist, at the end, um, in again revealed as the killer, he barges into a very large bedroom instead of you know some of these women i guess depending on how much money you spend no they were the nurses it was the oh those were the nurses okay the nurses in the nurses quarters he basically walks in and bludgeons all of them to death with a flail um and then once they're all completely dead the cops finally catch up with him and shoot him several hundred times including i think a shot right in the forehead right yeah at the very end, um, and I, it, it, it's clear that they had, um, you know, done some some special effects work where they wanted to show uh, bullets uh, hitting into and, and blood squirting out, and so they wanted to really cash in on that effect. So they shot him a bunch of times, um, and so there really isn't um, that much of a reason uh, given for why. Um, the husband uh, wanted to kill his wife, but the whole premise was he, I guess, originally came in to kill his wife and then killed, uh, didn't get to her, but killed some of the other people <clears throat> in the in the uh, asylum to make it look like it was a psychopath instead of a deliberate murder. Well, this is this is what I got out of that. <clears throat> Real quick though, about the end, like like you said, I have never ever ever seen a movie that ended like this because you have they unmask the killer and then Klaus Kinski fucking tall storky dude and fucking uh homegirl like uh Cheryl they just like oh all blase oh yes it was him that's who blah 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 and it was just like a total like little scooby-doo ending and you think that the movie's over but they never caught the fucking guy <clears throat> so the cops are like, okay, everyone in a stupid hat, come with me. We're going to chase after this dude. And they chase <laughs> him through the whole fucking place. He kills the two cops and then goes in and kills at least six nurses before they get him and kill him. And he had like a higher body count running from the cops than he did in the whole fucking movie. That was <laughs> epic. I've never seen anything like that before. And it was right after they had <clears throat> said that he was doing it to not look like a psychopath and then he goes into this room with a mace or a flail oh, and so epic as soon as he was running around with that i'm like dude he better fucking hit somebody with that that's yeah. badass that's, that's a really <clears throat> great point. that's a really great point eric because as i'm watching this end, end scene i'm going well he's probably decided or he's probably just made that made that leap between calculated um cold-blooded killer to completely insane because i mean look at him he's sweating his head off he's just smashing everything and you know in a scene like that you expect that the person is trying to get away they're trying to escape but he just ends up in this room and says you know what uh i don't don't know if i'm going to get out of this i think i'm just going to smash everybody's head in and i'm not sure that a sane calculating killer would do something like that so I think you know. I think that's a good point. Well, th- this is this is my take on ha- why the murders happen. Like 
in my head, I guess. Maybe I think I got this from the movie, but maybe I didn't. But the idea was he had his wife committed, and with her gone, he had control of the company. The fact that they were going to let her out means he was going to lose control of the company. So he wanted to kill her so he could have the company to himself, but he didn't want to get caught. So his idea was he was going to go around and kill a bunch of people in the hospital so it didn't look like someone just came to kill her. And right. so when he goes to kill Tarantula Eyes, the blonde chick, he doesn't he hasn't killed anybody yet. He doesn't really want to do it. Now there is a kill before this which happens really quick which I think was a bad cut decision or whatever, but I could talk about that in a minute. But he puts the knife in the chick's hand so she'll attack him, so he feels like he has to kill her. And okay. the knife part doesn't work, so then he lets her choke him. And so then he, like, finally, as she's choking him, goes back and chokes her kind of thing. But, because the first two kills, he was very, like, unsure like, even when he killed the nymphomaniac, he was like, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Am I holding my axe up? Am I not holding my axe up? Like, what am I doing? But, like, that killing the nurse, chopping her head off, I think that was something that should have been later in the movie, and they just put it in the beginning. Because right. it, there's no consistency there. But then there was another thing where he killed the girl with an axe and then went to go get a weapon to go kill the next girl to get the crossbow and the axe was back in its place bloody and he was like what weapon should i pick <laughs> you know it was like um there, there were a couple like weird cuts that yeah. didn't make a no, whole lot of sense it's probably they probably <clears throat> threw that scythe uh decapitation in the beginning because they needed something because uh, nothing was fucking happening. Because nothing was happening. They really wanted to. They wanted people to kind of all of a sudden, you know, if you were watching this in the theater and you're like, "Whoa, what's going on here? I'm falling asleep." Okay, we've got a murder. All right, let's pay attention. Um, so then, would you say that the motivation was more about monetary gain totally. than it was about psychological revenge? Okay. Yeah, one hundred percent. And then another reason too. There's a shot of him standing outside swinging the sword around like practicing <clears throat> like he's walking back and forth swinging the sword like he's sitting there almost like he's walking going okay i'm gonna be swinging the sword if any of you people walk in front of it it's not my fault <laughs> <laughs> but he's like he's practicing his swings and when he goes to get his chick he goes in there and she's not there because she's with Claude kinski and he gets all mad and he starts smacking the sword on the bed you know what i'm saying remember that part was that towards the end <clears throat> um it was after he killed the first three actually i think the not the now, not the evidence of this of, of this monetary gain well, motive or the fact just... that i don't know why else he would bring up the fact oh yeah she runs my business and we have a board meeting coming up and she needs to come and I don't know why that wouldn't have been put together. Like, why the fuck would you put that in a script, especially this script that has almost like no point to anyone talking? I've never seen a movie where it's so many people walk up to somebody, say something completely ridiculous that needs an explanation, and then just walk away. Like right. when um, Tarantulize got dropped off out front, no one said anything, there wasn't anything. Do some doctor just shows up, you're going to like it here. I can guarantee it. Your room's ready. It's like, bitch, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to just put you in here anyway. And then when um, 
Hume is walking out. He's like, yeah, that creepy Klaus Kinski guy said my wife wasn't ready. He means well. And then the doctor just walked off. Like, there's so many conversations that are just ridiculous. Like, anything that was plot-based that they put in here is there for a reason. I mean, the only other great line in here is, um, oh, you can't touch me, I'm a gardener. You know, like... It was just she's a flower. awful, awful dialogue. And she needs to be <laughs> watered. <clears throat> I'm like one of your flowers. I need you. You know, you are a nymphomaniac, and you need a shower. It's almost like, go walk <laughs> through that little off. door and rub one off. You know? Like, but dude, that shower was tits. But let's talk about the plot for a minute. Um, does, does that make sense to you? Does that sound like a decent reason for making a movie yeah i mean that that makes sense to me the only thing that i'm thinking of is uh, um you know the scene where i mean so he's got kind of he's got a he the, the killer I'm, I'm saying when i'm saying he uh, the, the killer he's got to maintain two different um roles here the first one is he has to be the husband who wants his wife to come home um but then the real motive is he doesn't want his wife to come home um, because he wants the business to himself. So he's going in and he's going to kill her knowing that she's going to be released because she's well. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, he can't okay. say like, yeah, you need to because it would be suspicious if he was like, no, you got to keep her here. I can't have her right. coming out. If he's, like, acting all excited about it, then he's obviously not a suspect. Right. I think, no, that, I think that makes sense. Again, you know, we, we can yeah. infer the monetary gain because basically, you know, that, that his motives was, was, was basically money and power because um, we infer that, you know, without his wife uh, in the picture that he has control over the company. Like, but it, it wasn't directly stated, but I think that's a good good enough and now you know for for the quality of the writing um i think we can make that inference uh, does know. does it get a point for that uh, it loses points so for monetary uh, gain it loses points yeah because a, the, a psychological trauma or revenge motive uh gets more points sorry movie i didn't mean to lose your points oh you, oh, you don't need to apologize to this movie I, dude, this movie, I really, like, that whole story I thought was a neat story. Um, but, like, as you know, like, I really don't like movies set off in the country in some weird castle, you know? Like, like, those aren't my favorite types of these movies. Like, I like them, like, in the bustling city or at a modeling agency or something, like, fun shit yeah, like that's, that. That's um, something I wrote down too actually um about, about how I, I knew right off the bat i'm like i gotta ask creep about this setting because yeah it's a it's an all women's sanitarium which is kind of titillating but is yeah. it the kind of setting you want to see in these these types of movies it was really off-putting i me. enjoyed it i didn't <laughs> think i would after the first okay let me put it this way i enjoyed at least the last third of this movie a great deal I'd say half. The last half of this movie, I was I was completely in. And it was just funny, because every time someone gets killed, Klaus Kinski just happens to take a walk. 
I'm going to leave the room and go be by myself for a while. I need to go do this. It's like he always has something to do, you know, but we never see him doing anything. So there's that whole thing. But when you see the killer's body shape, you're like, Klaus Kinski's like four feet tall and got a big fat head. Um, and then you see him take the mask off and he's got shaggy hair. And then you're like, well, who was the only other fucker with shaggy hair in this movie? And then you just start, I don't know, like, but I was totally in, like, um, as stupid as it was. And like, just like the whole thing, like, oh, we just had sex. I'm going to go stand out the window for an infinite amount of time until I get hit in the throat with an arrow. Like, there's a lot of those things where it's like, how did he know she was going to be there? You know? But, um, I don't know. Like, I didn't like they're in this big fucking castle and then there's this hallway with like a shit green rug or you have a hallway with like weeds growing out of the baseboards those are your two sand I know you like you I know you like over. that the that red bathroom tile dude the bathrooms in this movie were fucking sick and I swear to god if I ever go crazy and kill somebody or something and I get to be put in like a mental place I want one with a bathroom like that yeah either one of those oh. bathrooms was awesome we can arrange that. I hope. <laughs> that bubble bath was kind of goopy when she was putting yeah. it out. It was like fucking maple syrup, but it was green. But other than that, I, I was a fan. Um, other furniture pieces, the headboard that the Nympho had was gorgeous. Other than that, <laughs> a bunch of crap in this movie. Cool. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's your I, review. It's a good point, Eric, that, um, you know, this has got a lot of slasher qualities to it because it's basically a whole bunch of people in a single location with a killer on the loose kind of thing. It's not your typical giallo um, where you've got an, an amateur detective or any kind of, you know, any kind of anything going on where somebody knows what's what's going on and is trying to figure, figure it out. There was no figuring anything out. It was, you know, uh, we've got all of a sudden we've got three or four or five bodies of dead people and uh, we need to call the cops and figure out what to do. And the um, cop was a total fucking asshole. He was. And he's like, why are you being so defensive? And I, I would have said, because you're fucking yelling at me. <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> he was rather assertive. That's that's true. No, I, I mean, I still, I think the we were giving the plot a little too much credit, but I, I am enjoying and appreciating uh, what you're bringing to light for me. Um, I think I maybe spoke too soon when I said it didn't have a plot. I think it does. And I think the reason why I'm so angry with it um, <laughs> emotionally and why it, it's kept me up at night is because <laughs> just because of the, the lost potential. Uh, the stuff you're bringing up sounds like it could have been an awesome movie. And then I realized, wait, that's not really how it <laughs> happened. Well, I saw two versions of it, and one was really slow. Or, or like, the first one just starts with the credits. And I didn't right, have that whole first five-minute um, stalking scene. Yeah. And I, I don't remember... Joke about it. Yeah. I don't remember any nudity, like, really, other than the massaging. Right. But then the other cut I saw, it was full of gyno shots and uh, all sorts of stuff so so where did you get that cut i'm that's on youtube yeah there was well, another so, somebody else on facebook posted a second 
um, YouTube link uh, in the same kind of thread where I had posted the first one saying that, you know, here's a, a more fully restored version. But I think the link was only accessible if you had a YouTube login and you were actually logged into the account. Otherwise, it wouldn't show for you. Oh, really? Oh, to prove you're 18? Yeah, I think oh. so. Yeah, there was all sorts of inner and outer labia in that video. Because not, not that I thought it would have made this film any better, but yeah, I did see the one that started right with the credits and kind of ran through. So I was messaging you guys on Facebook saying... You were pissed. A cut of this. You were yelling at us. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I mean... Yeah, it's 40 minutes until that scene, the very first scene that was he put the dagger in her hand, and then it was an hour and 15 minutes when the detective finally came in. Not that, you know, like Chris said, we needed a detective in this one. Not at all. I mean, it was the movie's, just, like, over at that point. It was just such a slow burn. I mean, it does have those psychological elements, which I caught, you know, the very first watch, and I just really wanted to see him explore that more. Like you were saying, the the scene when he puts the dagger in her hand, you know, you're like, well, I don't, I haven't seen this in a, a film before, or you know, you don't see it very often. Or the scene when the nymphomaniac um, wakes up and he's in the room with the axe, and, and she, she just like little, hits on him. Yeah, she's getting a little excited. I was going to ask you guys, have you ever seen a movie where that happened, where like some dude comes to kill some chick, and then she's like, hey, come lay with me. And then the guy does it. I mean, I've seen it well, he, played out. He had that. Adult he, had the, he was hiding the axe behind his back. So. Uh, it was shining pretty high in the light, man. <laughs> but like, you guys, you guys still guys wearing the mask pieces? too, right? Yeah, I think he was wearing the mask, wasn't he? And she yeah. was just like, so, "Bring it, dude." I think she. You guys ever seen, have you seen pieces? Yeah. So there's there's a similar scene where. Uh, one of the co-eds is about to get into the elevator and the killer walks in with a chainsaw behind her with a <laughs> chainsaw behind his back and she doesn't notice it until after she presses the button and closes the door yeah and then all of a sudden he goes but i mean in this case like off. she was like yeah i mean i understand she's a nymphomaniac or whatever but she's like yeah come give it to me dude pound it like she was like wanting it and was not at all worried that there was that's a sick, mass yeah, dude in I mean. the room. That was epic, dude. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I've never seen it's that. those psychological elements I would have would have liked to see more. So and it just they just dropped the ball so many times throughout this film, I think is why I got so frustrated with it. Well you could tell too that um it probably didn't make on the original cut, probably didn't make the runtime. Because you had this, I mean, I think I counted it was 12 minutes before anyone started talking. And it was just the scene of them two in the car. And then it cuts to the song playing during croquet and them going through the whole thing. And then it was like, I think, 14 or 15 minutes before they actually started having anything happening. But um, beyond that, even the, t- the credit sequence was just negative shots of things that you're going to see in the movie, you know, with the credits right. rolling over it. It was like, and then the flashback sequences were just ridiculous, dude. Yeah. And, and, and also, I, I'm not sure, you know, if this was, again, for effect or if it was just to fill up time, but there 
there are a lot of scenes with the killer moving through the the the, the structure that looks like they were shot you know ex- almost exact i mean it's clearly not the exact same scene just spliced back in a second time but it looks like you know especially the one with him uh in the beginning climbing up the stairs and they 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 do a lot of quick cuts uh to i think the back of him and then the front of him and then the back yeah. of him and then the front of him and then that they happens just try again. to break it up that happens again when he's walking up the steps and he's about to go after the psycho girl in the yellow uh, um, nightgown. And instead of the front of him and the back of him cuts, it's the front of him and then um, cut to her laying in the bed. And then the front of him and then cut to her laying yeah. in the bed. So, um, I, again, I don't know if that was done for effect or if that was just... It was seems like to a- milk the movie because the shots of her laying in the bed we'd already seen. Both of them. There yeah, were two I mean, different they're... shots and we saw both of them. Yeah, there, there was a lot of, you know, like I said, I, I really think that uh, um, they ha- they framed these shots really well. And I think they just wanted to, you know, I think maybe, you know, the, the director who also did the cinematography for the art, or maybe I got that wrong. Um, no, someone else did it. He did the screenplay. That's yeah. right. Um, I think that they were kind of impressed with the way that they designed the set for this movie and the way that they set up the shots. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a Mario Bava thing going on here with um, the way that the, the sets are lit and the shadows and the colors and, you know, the, the, the decor of the, you know, the knights and the, or the, the, the suit of armor and the weapons yeah. and stuff. It, it reminds me a little bit of the set of Blood and Black Lace or maybe a little bit of um, uh, the set of... Uh, uh, you know, some of the other ones like Baron Blood and some of the other um, Bava sets, um, especially like um, when you're, you're looking at that Iron Maiden yeah. ceramic thing. It just reminds me of Bava. And um, so I think that maybe part of it was that they really uh, were impressed with themselves and, you know, wanted to, to make sure that they got as many of these uh, you know things that they worked hard on setting up. You know, uh, I feel like film. I feel like more though. It was like this movie needs to be ninety minutes because that's what we're renting it out to the cinemas as. So make sure it's like seven reels long or however long ninety minutes right. is. But yeah, like, um, as far as like the shots go and stuff, not the handheld stuff because the handheld stuff looks pretty shit. But like all the, your static shots in this. They do really good job, like making sure there's stuff in the foreground and stuff to right. give it depth and stuff. Like whether it's the gloves of a knight of armor, a suit of armor in the hallway, or the mirror in the bathroom, or um, the wine on the table where they're playing checkers and stuff. Like there's there's always something which is really neat. And um, but like just with the the scene where the chick's in the bathtub and having flashbacks of her getting the massage and all that other shit. Um, there are added shots in there of where the nurse is like kissing her on the mouth and stuff that weren't in the cut yet. So that's one point where they were putting extra stuff in, but, um, I don't know. Like the hot nurse is a shitty masseur. That's all I got out of that worst massage ever. But then she rolled over. She's got a lot of. She finished up. There's a lot of woman to massage there. 
Oh my god. In a good way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite article of clothing isn't Anne's hot black outfit, and it's not the velour blue outfit that um, <laughs> Cheryl is wearing, but it is the black lace panties that Nurse Helen is wearing. Because <laughs> those were amazing. Those were great. Especially, especially during the dance scene. Oh, she dude, she's the worst dancer ever. Yep. She's trying so hard to get in this chick's pants. And she's like, I just am not into any of this stuff. I'm trying to wash you, and you're like, I'll handle that. And now I'm going to put on some music, hoping that it will trick you into dancing. It, she was just like the most horrendous, like, she just wasn't very patient. But you know no. what? Out of any movie <laughs> that we've done... And I couldn't even think of another one. I hadn't ever pulled for um, a lesbian couple to get together so much as I did about those two. <laughs> I was really hoping, man, I hope they get it on. And not just like a pervy way. Like I was really hoping that they made it. They were star-crossed lovers. Yeah, and when she got hit with that arrow, I was like, fucking shit. But another thing that happened when she got hit with that arrow, there was like a sound fuck-up. And it like replayed some sound yeah. do you know what i'm that's talking in, about yeah that's in the youtube i originally watched um i originally watched the film uh probably three quarters of the way through um using the youtube version um and notice what happened you know as soon as she gets hit with the arrow through her neck the sound switches to maybe <clears throat> i don't know 90 to 120 seconds past where it's supposed yeah, to be yeah. and then catches and catches up with itself uh in the the version that i have which is a dvd rip um it's not it's not screwed up that, in that way so um but it's a minor flaw um and and yet i don't know the other the other thing that that i don't know enough about as far as the production credits are concerned is there was a, a release of this in the U.S., and I wonder if um, – I wonder – you know, I, I think I remember seeing something about it being somewhere around 82 to 87 minutes long. So, so I don't know if that's just that they took off the intro before the credits and then maybe cut out a little bit of the nudity uh, or if they made it even a faster-paced film by cutting up some of the slow parts. Uh, I don't Ooh, that'd be awesome. know that, that may be the slaughter hotel version. I don't know. Um, there, there's a VHS copy of the slaughter hotel, um, that I remember seeing when I was younger in the, uh, video stores. I don't know what cut of the movie that is. So, um, my only other complaint about the film is that probably the best looking girl of the film had the least amount of skin showing through most of the film. Are you um, about although, um, Margaret Lee. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did realize finally in my third time through because the the scene where um, the scene in the middle of the movie where um, Anne, the nymphomaniac, is um, writhing around in the bed, uh, looks so, so similar to the scene in the beginning where Cheryl is writhing around in the bed that I first thought it was the, the same person. Um, and Gotta I was check like, headboards, you know, dude. Headboards yeah, were completely that. different. And then, you know, I realized at the end when Cheryl is sitting there 
and having her flashbacks that she was flashing back to the very beginning scene. Yeah. So uh, that redeemed it a little bit for me. But uh, if you know, if if sh- if Cheryl could have worn the uh, the bare midriff uh, dress, um, that would have been fantastic because that was a great outfit. Now, with Anne, Anne after she took her shower, she put her hair up and she went outside and was talking to a guy named Peter that she was trying to hook up with, and he was like pushing her away. And she kept saying, like, how come you can't love me like you did when we were kids? Or when we were children? Is that her brother? I don't know. You know, that scene did not leave any impact on me whatsoever, so I just remembered it now that you just mentioned it. That's one of those scenes, I think, when you're talking about bad cutting, because she's wearing the midriff-bearing dress before that, and then she's wearing it after that. But then in the middle, she's got the hair up, and, and she's talking to this guy, and... They're saying a lot, but not much is being said. But I think that they must just have been had some kind of a relationship when they were kids that was kind of one of those, you know, we've known each other since elementary school and we've always loved each other. I'm wondering if, because I know the shoot for this was about like 12 days, so it was a relatively quick shoot. But I wonder if the script was a lot bigger and they just didn't shoot a bunch of stuff because they didn't have time. Or if they cut a ton of stuff out of the script to get the movie moving because it's so fucking slow in the like the first half of it. But I would really be interested to know, like, because there had to have been more because there was just too many weird cuts. Like, there's stuff missing. I know there yeah. is. Yeah, it's, it's one of those films that's just kind of doomed from the start because of all the different cuts and distributors it's going to go through uh, in different countries. Um, I know, I think I actually heard that Asylum Erotica, the one with that title, is the one, strangely enough, that is cut the most until it's like almost unrecognizable, even though it has Erotica in the name. But That's too bad. I, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's definitely well made in many parts and and the women are all gorgeous, I think. Um, yeah, and they're even tarantula eyes. Good. Yeah, yeah. You, you can tell that at one beautiful. time she was pretty, yeah, pretty good looking, pretty attractive. So it's it's just a shame that, you know, in the end, it gets that terrible, I guess, title of it's not so good, it's bad, and it's not, you know, or wait, <laughs> it's not so bad that it's good, and it's also not good. It's just boring, which is the worst thing that you can say about a movie. And and it, it's like actively trying to make sure that you don't get invested in it in the beginning by not letting you understand these characters. They're very flat. Eric, and I by swear not... to God, I think it's the different cut because that the first time I watched it, I watched that cut that you watched. Okay. And I was seriously bored out of my fucking mind. And then I watched the other cut... And I was into it the whole time, and then watched it again, and now it, it's on for the third time in the background. So when I was screaming at you guys last night, it was actually I should. It was justified. I, I should have been actively trying to get that film from you. What do you think, yeah, I Chris? I don't. I don't know. I think maybe, uh, creep. You and I had the same reaction, which is the first time we both saw this, we realized how slow it is. And then going back to it, we were prepared for how slow it was, and we paid attention to things to to keep our attention long enough to get through the movie. Because um, I remember watching this when I was, like I said, we 
a friend and I had rented this from the local video store and, you know, uh, us being fans of Halloween and Friday the 13th and Dawn of the Dead and all that, we were hoping for, you know, a cool slasher film. And I remember turning it off halfway through going, this movie is terrible. Nothing's going on except, you know, this one, the nurse and the, and, and the, uh, the patient and the, and the ass massage. Um, so I think when I came back to it a second time, knowing it was a giallo, uh, or supposed to be kind of a, a loosely, loosely giallo esque, um, you know, I think I knew what I was in for with, uh, with, with the film going as slow as it is. I don't, I don't necessarily think that the two cuts are so drastically different that they make you appreciate it one or the versus the other, but, um, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I think that it's really just about, you know, uh, on second viewing, you know how slow it is and you just, you, you, you either, I, I think you need to be stoned, uh, to really <laughs> enjoy this film. And, no, and I, I don't, I was just drinking coffee. I, I don't smoke pot. Uh, and I, I did a long time ago, but I don't anymore. And I can watch this film and go, yeah, if I had some pot and I was still a pot smoker, I think I'd like this movie a lot more. So I think it has to do with your expectation. Um, maybe, well, I mean, you know, there are things too that are obviously bad cuts, but I don't know if it's from the distributor or not where like, there'll be like the girls making out and then all of a sudden a different song will just like come in like from a weird part and be a lot louder than the rest of the music or all of a sudden the soundtrack just kind of disappears for five seconds and there's still people talking but there's no score and then all of a sudden the score comes back on and then there'll be cuts to different shots and the negative is a lot more deteriorated than the other part you know there were all sorts of like weird little things like that so like it is bad-ish you know but the other comment I wanted to make is what did you guys think was going on with the nympho and the two orderlies that came to get her because they don't really subdue her and bring her back in right away they I have my fingers crossed dude I'll tell you that they they, kind of let her do her thing for a while until professor party pooper comes out and yells at her and then they go back inside um I don't understand why, you know. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that she's probably been getting piped by most of the dudes in the building. (laughs) I just feel bad that, like, the redheaded nurse who worked so hard on getting this one chick didn't just go to the next room because that chick would have been down in a heartbeat. And then, you know, just, like, stuff like that. It's not always about sex creep. Maybe Well, then this chick should have been trying so hard. Okay, and then the other thing about this chick, what's her name? Maya or uh, Mara? Mara. The thing about her that it just cracks me up, and we talked about this before the show started, was her that her backstory is is that she doesn't remember anything, and she like has like no memory of her life before being at the hospital, but she continues to tell this super fucking long story to the nurse who's probably sitting there going, I thought you had amnesia, bitch. Why do you remember so much stuff? Like, for someone who has no memory of things, she can go forever telling a fucking story. That's selective, kind of weird. selective, yeah. I guess so. 
But then she also yeah. remembers the song that she must have danced to when she was young. Right. <laughs> God, I'm watching the dance right now, and it's hysterical. Oh, it's been, also it's known great. as the scene when I went to change my laundry out. Dude, you have no testosterone in your body, friend. <laughs> I can see women in their underwear dancing whenever I want. <laughs> You're like, I have freaking the internet. I'm capable. Right. It's such a great it's not 1971 anymore. I know, but like we've invested so much time into this couple. I know. You know, it's just in like, that sense. We were yeah, it's. It's good to see those seeds of love being sown. I guess you're right. Well, I don't know. Kind of. Oh. I was just really happy. And then she's so, like, hot and cold. Like, she, she's when she's getting her sponge bath, she's like, ooh, this is marvelous. And then she's like, wait, I'll do that. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'm yeah, just going to go in here and flick myself off a little bit. And she then she comes along. Yeah. And then she takes her towel that. off, and she's like, <gasps> And then she's like, oh, no, I'm just drying you off. See? And she's like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm going to start macking down on your face, and you're going to like it. And then it was okay. But it was like, fucking hell, man. It's a lot of work yeah. to put into somebody. you got to play hard to get sometimes. And I just go the other way. It's not worth my time, dude. If you're going to play hard to get, you're playing with yourself. Late. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I roll, man. But, um, yeah. You don't know what they got till it's gone. Or something. I don't know. Something like that. That, that sounds better. But yeah, there was all sorts of vagina in this movie. Good job. Yeah. They good, know what they're doing when pick. they cast the Nymphomaniac. Yeah. Making and I'm sure hearts. it wasn't... Although the red-headed chick and the black chick in this scene... That was definitely her crawdad down there because her face was all up in it. That was one shot. It wasn't like a cutaway to a crotch where they could have got like some porn chick to come in and flick her bean a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That was right. Snapdragon. Yeah. Oh, are we doing that again? Yes. All right. I'm not going to be derogatory anymore. All right. I promised. We'll see. I see a tampon string. Okay, just kidding. Okay, what's up, guys? <laughs> so, did so we like this movie? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I liked it. Um, I, I kind of like it, but, you know, clearly um, there are a lot of flaws to it. It's not a serious film. Well, none of these films are serious, but it's it's not meant to be taken at the same level of um, some some of the uh, more famous films of the genre. Um, but it, it is kind of a guilty pleasure. I think it's better than um, Sister Ver Ursula, for sure. Uh, I don't know that it's much better. but Right. Uh, we'll get to that. I think that the quality of the... I think maybe the quality of the, of the production in general um, was better than Ursula. There were just um, better looking girls in it. That's yeah, all I this think, movie like, is, dude. It's just like that's where here are a better. bunch of good-looking girls. I think Ursula blew all of its budget on filming in that area of Italy, um, and didn't have much left for anything else. I don't know. Um, but uh, just to quickly um, give you an update 
far as the gal the as far as the Jalo score is concerned, this film got a 57, uh, which is not good in in terms of uh, Jalo score points. Um, it did very well in the beginning or in the the section where you know we identify the staples of the genre. Uh, but once you get past that, um, there really wasn't anything else uh, that it got any points for. So um, a total of 14 out of 30 for standards and only 3 out of 10 for signatures. So uh, it, a 57. Um, and, and that kind of seems right because, again, we've got um, a film that takes place in one location. Uh, it doesn't have a, a detective. And because it takes place in one location and we're kind of just rehashing um, the same kind of um, set pieces over and over again, um, you're not going to get those little signatures uh, 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 like the motorcycles or the airplanes or all the other things um, that you see in the normal jolly uh, that become kind of standardized uh, aspects. So. Um, a 57, um, but uh, for me, an entertaining film. Uh, cer certainly not anything to uh, go to the ends of the earth to find if you are looking for Jolly to watch. Uh, um, but uh, a good film if you can, you know, if you just feel like throwing it on on YouTube and watching it. So You know what? I think I'm hurting my straight man cred throughout this entire Entire show, but I also think that you just want to bone Klaus Kinski. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Going to say, I think one of the biggest things this film is missing, and I know it's not a yellow score criteria, but or anything like that. But it's it doesn't have that charismatic man character. I mean, Klaus Kinski is nothing in this movie. But I mean, that's he kind of his thing. He's just know, like I'm thing. aloof, and that's I'm awesome. Yeah. Look at my face. Like I don't want that in my. <laughs> Italian sleaze film, you know, I want him in maybe some creepy Nosferatu biopic or something, but uh, I don't know, it's like I said, I know it's not a criteria, but I, it, it's kind of feel like it's missing that that testosterone that, you know, that to match the... Uh, yeah, because the only real, like, dude in this movie is the creepy gardener. Exactly. Dude, it's just I mean, like, he does have a mustache. So. Yeah, he's like, I have a mustache. Look at me. I'll give him points for that, but yeah, it's just kind of missing that for me, and so I don't know. But overall, um, I will, I will give this one another chance. I think I'm, I'm going to try to search out that other cut, not because I want to see tampon strings, but I just want to get the full, you know, Bush. purview of what's going on <laughs> with this film, and and but, I wouldn't mind seeing that ending again. I really, I really did enjoy the ending it kind of redeemed it a little you know bit what? i just saw the part where they come out of the um room with the after the girl gets hit with the arrow and um dr stork bird guy he's like i wonder who's doing this or whatever and then the claus kinski looks at the camera and does this little smirk and then like walks right into the lens you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah that they, was a weird they were show. totally trying to make it look like him and obviously but it's just like that was like the only time he smiles in the whole fucking movie, I think. Well, there's another scene too where you know he comes into the frame uh, from the back, and it was right after they had shown the killers doing something. Yeah. And then the next the next scene is him with his hair, you know, coming in from the foreground and then walking down the hallway. So there was there was clearly a lot of places where they were trying to pin it on him 
or or give you that red herring kind of thing. Yeah. So this is where but, he's swinging his sword and walking around trying to practice. Like this is how I got to hit her. Got to hit her like that. Got to swing <laughs> like this. Um, but no, like for me, like I. I really enjoyed this. Like, as much as, like, I mean, it's no lie. I dig the Furberg and all that stuff, and that's great. Um, but beyond that, even if it didn't have that in it, I still think this would be kind of like a fun movie. Like, maybe even one to just, like, have on in the background kind of thing. You know? Like, seriously, when I first started watching it, though, I was like, oh, Chris, dude. This fucking movie. <laughs> and I was not, like, that excited about it. And then, like, you know, you've just got to watch something. You know, what does he say? What does Andy say on Parks and Rec? It's like watching Expendables 2. The first time, you hate it. And then the second time, you still kind of hate it. And then after, like, the sixth or seventh or eighth time, it's still pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, see, so, I feel uh, that way about um, a Pajama Girl case, but I keep watching it, so... You know, it's, it's interesting. Now, Eric, what were you going to say about Sister of Ursula? Oh, I was just going to say if we ever did the uh, the top ten or the ten of the last, you know, the rankings. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be kind of fun to, to see where these two kind of line up and how far away they are from each other and uh, who puts what above what, you know. It, all that like i think stuff. the difference for me between ursula and this movie is that ursula had almost too much plot no like the main plot wasn't the driving force of the movie it was all the subplots like kind of yeah. taking over the movie and there weren't enough super hot chicks in it like this one and when you're making a movie that, like, obviously this movie was made to sell a bunch of skin and Klaus Kinski's scrotum face, you know? Like, it wasn't like, a, oh, we're breaking ground here. This is going to be amazing. You know what I'm right. saying? So, like, I think this one hit the nail on the head a little bit harder with let's make sure there's a lot of skin and some awesome sex stuff instead of just seeing this nasty girl take her clothes off every five minutes Dagmar I'm referring to Dagmar <laughs> okay thanks for clarifying which butt ugly girl you were talking about in that movie yeah I don't know and those pants weren't doing her any favors either but we already talked about that um, so as far as everything else goes IMDB gave this movie a 5.3 and even though I like this movie, I think, I still think that's too high of a yeah, score for this. In the grand scope of filmdom, putting it right in the middle seems yeah, like it's dude. being pretty generous. Super. God, I've never even thought about it like that. Out of all movies, this is the average film. That right. can't be right. No way. Oh. That's awful. Um, now, um, I did that thing that I do, and I have a bunch of other titles for this movie that you guys are going to question. Oh so, um, originally, I guess this was released as The Beast Kills in Cold Blood, which is basically cold-blooded beast, but they wanted it more present tense. So, that's how that one goes. The U.S. dubbed version was Asylum Erotica. The reissue was Slaughter Hotel. 
And then when they did the worldwide cut of it, that's when it was Cold-Blooded Beast. Now, this is where it gets fun. The Belgium-French title for this movie was Insatiable Erotic Dolls. Then the French video release was Clinical Dark. Dark. That's a babblefish problem, I think. I don't know. I kind of like that. And then the French DVD was The Bloody Clinic. Then, um, I also have a... Oh, man, what's this? Oh, there's some other French release. The Unfulfilled Erotic Dolls of Dr. Hitchcock. Yes. (laughs) I believe that I caught that one when I was going through it. That's awesome. Um, Then there was a weird Greek from Latin one that was Snake College or something weird like that. Um, And then another Greek release was Castle of Terror. Another Greek release was Thirst for Flesh and Blood. Then there was a German release of it as Castle of Blue Birds. And then the German... Yeah, then the German video release was The Killer Instinct. Ooh. Ooh. Is that like Instinct? Yeah. It's for a burger in that movie. I'm sure that they put this movie out again after Basic Instinct came out, changed the title up a little bit, hope to sell we have more. more. We have more women crossing legs in this film than, than we do. And sure. not only do they cross them, but they spread them afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. So that's all the information I have on this this piece of cinema. <laughs> Although I do really like that blue velour outfit she's got on. Yeah, it, she's it she's nice. just pretty. She's a pretty person. Is that the blue bird? That must be the blue bird. It must be her castle. And then this movie came out a year after Bird with the Crystal Plumage as well. So that might be another reason why they hit bird I don't know now I'm just kind of grasping at shit sure yeah yeah, yeah. you can grasp so that's what I think right and that's the bottom line okay now you know the rest of the story yeah but yeah this movie the more that I have it on in the background there's a lot of walking Detective Tinson could have done very good in this. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely, uh, we've, we've got a couple of walking um, films, in a, two walking films in a row. Yeah, great deal of walking. If you want to see a good deto- or Detective Tinson movie, go check out The Uninvited. Did you like it? I really like that movie, 1944. So you <laughs> like that better than... Snake College. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> Don't really get the reference, but yeah. Well, no, that was one of the awful titles that I was pulling out of um, crap. Insatiable yes. Erotic Dolls. That was a good one. I like that. Of Dr. Hitchcock? 
No, that was the unfulfilled oh. erotic dolls of Dr. Hitchcock. Insatiable, unfulfilled, same thing. Maybe it just meant because none of the boxes got filled with penises. <laughs> it was just fingers. Klaus Kinski was Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. Like, for Klaus Kinski being all over this chick, he wasn't all over her at all. No. He needs to take lessons from Nurse Helga. Yeah, dude. Or just, Without... like, anyone. Like, yeah. if you like somebody, you touch them. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> well, Maybe he was, you know, being professional. Doubtful. I wouldn't give that advice but... to just anyone on the street, but yeah. You guys, if you want something, just grab it. <laughs> <laughs> grab that tune, King. Okay. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, next week or next episode, um, we will be doing my pick, which is super controversial. It is the not really Jalo Jalo movie, Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. And in oh. just a bit here, we're going to be playing the trailer for that. And I really, really love Alfred Hitchcock trailers. Not all of them, but the ones that he kind of acts out. And they're just so much fun, dude. Like, this is, and this is another good one. What were you yeah. going to say about it? I was just going to say, I don't, I mean, maybe you want it to be more controversial than it is. I think people are, are excited about it. And Italians love to talk about Doc, or Alfred Hitchcock. As I'm just will. waiting for someone to say, fucking A, man, that's not it. Yeah. You know, that's like what I'm waiting for. So I'm just letting He's everyone know card. that I know that you, some of you might be thinking that. Well, let's see uh, what the Jalo score thinks of it. And then um, we could use that as, uh, as, as a way of backing up the choice if it gets a good score. So we'll see what happens. And it's really long. Oh, It's like fucking well, like at two hours. Well, that's Hitchcock for you. Yeah, yeah. so... In case you guys want a quick watch. Ah, he just hit himself with that flail on accident. That was funny. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a fun one. I really like it. So think, hopefully we I all... I think like Vertigo was two hours and Rear Window was two hours, right? I mean... Oh, I love Rear Window. I think I think Frenzy will fare, fare much better than maybe Stage Fright or this movie even. We'll see though. I don't know. We'll see. I think the trailer for Frenzy probably will get a better score than this movie did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Um, is there anything else? Uh, nope. I guess Chris and I have got to get off to the sanitarium. So you guys we'll... just got to get off. Um, sorry. I've had a caffeine and gin. I, I ran oh, out you're doing of that whole combination again. Gin tonight, guys. So I apologize. Yeah. I'm gonna go drink some strawberry wine. Seventeen, hot July moon. Saw everything. Okay. Sweetberry wine. All right. Awesome. But um, if you guys want, get on Facebook and find the Jallo Chow Chow group because we have a lot of fun in there. And come have fun with us because other than that. I really don't even go on Facebook anymore. I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of Facebooked out. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not hard to do. Yeah, it's not. So yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and the movie. God, are we know, this bad at saying goodbyes? No, you hang up. Well, first. I, did. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hear you breathe.
Now you guys sound like the nurse-patient relationship going on. Well, dude, if someone was handing out massages like that, fucking sign me up. Yeah, I got to get off to my massage, so uh, we'll see you guys later. All right, guys. (laughs) Ciao, ciao, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. I dare say you are wondering why I am floating around London like this. I am on the famous Thames River, investigating a murder. Rivers can be very sinister places. And in my new film, Frenzy, this river, you may say, was the scene of a very horrible murder. It's a woman! Another necktie murder. Of course, one can never be sure where danger lurks. They tell me a dreadful crime was committed right in this building. My investigation next led me to this innocent alley, of which there are hundreds in London. But I don't think we should stay long. Something unpleasant is about to happen. another horrible murder. This is the famous London wholesale fruit and vegetable market, Covent Garden. Here you may buy the fruits of evil and the horrors of vegetables. I've heard of a leg of lamb, a leg of chicken, but never a leg of potatoes. How do you like my tie? How do you like it?